Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up? Welcome back to Season 5 of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. We got Connor balancing phone and uh, laptops over here. He's in the studio with me. Matt Aguilar's in his home studio. Janelle Wheeler's in her home studio. And we have a lot to do today, guys. So welcome back as we get towards the uh, holiday season and towards the end of the year. We are beginning to hit the last big batch of movie and TV releases that we have to talk about. So today we are going to be breaking down the new movie Wonka. We are going to talk about the first reactions to Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. We have to talk a little news that happened this week, plus some new trailers that have dropped. But up front, we got to talk some shop and handle some company business. So as we get to the end of the year, as I said, obviously, everybody is starting to put together their year and lists. The best of the worst of everybody's going to be ranking everything. You know, now that Spotify shut the hell up, we can all get to it. <laughs> so let's talk about the comicbook.com Golden Issue Awards. Guys, we have been doing the Golden Issue Awards for quite a few years now, and this year will be no different. We are going to be ranking some of the biggest categories of the year, whether it's movies, TV, gaming, comics, anime. Those are just a few of the main categories we cover here on the show. But if you are watching live with us in our, as you should be on our live stream, you can see we have some pretty stacked. This is a whole award show. If you don't know what we're talking about, every year the staff of comicbook.com gets together and we created our own award show where we get to take our very geeky tastes and apply them to our favorite genres. These are things that we spend all year kind of writing about, deep diving into each of these categories. Oh, I forgot wrestling. Wrestling's up there. So we debated out in-house within the comic book staff. And, buddy, if you don't think those are serious debates, I wish we could share our slack with you. But, uh, you know, company <laughs> policy is that we can't. So there are some heated debates. We put it on the table, we put it to a vote, and then we have a very special kind of week of rolling out our winners. Uh, we love this. We love the Golden Issues because it gives us a chance to really kind of interact as a staff and really put all our collective knowledge together and, and you know debate as geeks and fans love to do. And it's also great because we get to recognize people that maybe don't get recognition from other award shows. We've had plenty of actors, directors, comic creators, personalities from wrestlers to voice actors to everybody in between come to us and, and say, hey, this was great. Thank you guys for recognizing our work, our contributions to geek culture, and they really appreciate it, even if it's a word show we invented in our garage. So we love doing this. It's only getting bigger. It's only getting better. And I can't wait for you guys to see already in the boardroom some of the nominees to winners have already sparked large reactions from the comic book staff but hey this is a crazy democracy so i can't wait to see you guys experience the list of winners 
And so over the next week, we will be rolling out, starting to roll out our Golden Issue Award winners and nominees. And uh, can't wait for this to share this with you guys. And I think we will be able to debut some of the winners here on the show. Uh, we did that last year and it was a whole lot of fun. Each podcast kind of took a selection of the winners and kind of roll them out. And this year, I don't think it's going to be any different. So stay tuned for comicbook.com's Golden Issue Awards. Stay tuned to this show, our Phase Zero Marvel show, uh, our Wild Pokemon Has Appeared Pokemon show, because it's a whole universal comic book universe event. So be on the lookout for that because it's a lot of fun and there's some crazy picks and I can't wait for you guys to start hopefully a flame war with some of the ones I didn't like. All right. (laughs) Moving right along to our main topic of the show today. It's Wonka Week. Okay, for Gen Z, this is a big deal. It's our boy Timothy Chalamet is jumping into the uh, Ronald, what I can only describe as the Ronald Dahl universe and kind of taking on a very tricky, tricky, tricky role in a tricky film, which is a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the form of Wonka. So how is this film? Let's talk about it. I think uh, Connor Casey and I both... Checked out Wonka. Did you get out to see it? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah, because they didn't screen it for us here in Nashville. No, they did not. We were in Nashville, Tennessee, and we've seen a ton of movies lately, but uh, we did not get to screen this one. But never fear, Connor Casey and I jumped out there and uh, went to see Wonka. And here's what I'll say. Um, Wonka is its kind of a funny thing. It's a weird thing. But uh, for me, it worked in a weird way. Uh, I was pleasantly, like, surprisingly charmed by this movie. Uh, moved by it at times. And, you know, I think it proves that this kid is a star. I mean, I've never met people who like particularly hate on Timothy Chalamet other than his popularity stake. Like, oh, he's the popular kid. Let's just hate on him. But like the kid's a star, like, and he's so versatile and he's so good at playing characters and making you believe that he is a character. He's not like, you know, people call him the new Tom Cruise and stuff, but he's not Tom Cruise in the sense like, you see him and you're like, I'm going to this McDonald's for that same thing. Like he actually inhabits characters. He makes you believe that he is. And, and he's, you know, at once obviously very handsome, but also really good at being very weird in like kind of got that depthish quality to him as well. And it's funny that we say that because this movie, he kind of arguably strikes a balancing act perfectly between the kind of Gene Wilder, whimsical Willy Wonka that many of us know from that classic Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. I mean, so much of this is built out of that, obviously. As somebody, as a dad who's been reading Charlie and Chocolate Factory for the last few years to kids and seen both of these movies pretty, you know, regularly, like there's so much is obviously built out of the 70s one from the music to the design um, to just the kind of more whimsical nature of it. But there's also little hints of the Burton-esque stuff in here. A lot of the weird, little bit of the weirdness, the kind of fish-eyed weirdness, the kind of offbeat eccentric characters. The, even in Chalamet's performance, there is a little bit of Johnny Depp's weird kind of zany Wonka in there. Mm. So it's taking all of this experience from both generations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie fans and it successfully makes it into this own unique tale where Wonka is this kind of more interesting character because Wonka is very much a device in these other stories, right? He's just a zany, mysterious guy. We don't, who always can just pull out some other weird thing and, and take you and be like, 
oh, you think we have a problem here? But I went to the thing and, you know, I found this special invention. Well, he, he's basically magic. Yeah. So that that cuts the tension out of some scenes, but it's also still fun. Yeah, exactly. And like he's just a big deuce ex machina magic person. Um, this movie actually takes that and, and adds a layer of persona and depth to it. And you get to know why Willy Wonka, why this is personally important for him to be this person who does this thing for the world. And you you just get to know him a little bit more. And, and it's kind of fun to get to know him because he's almost like Luffy and in a weird way from, from uh, One Piece in which even when he's in a world of just like downtrodden, sinister things, he has this kind of inexhaustible optimism and hope to things are going to work out and that they'll figure out a way um, and plus he has that kind of whimsical magical quality to him mm. in this that's not too overblown or just too random but he there's a weird way in which he always has a plan and and you can see why he's crafty and things like that so in spite of myself who doesn't enjoy musicals all that much i actually did enjoy this and i enjoyed it, the musical numbers and performances and production design and it made me feel like a little bit of that charlie and the chocolate factory love again so Surprise, surprise for me. But Connor Casey, I know you feel like you got a lot to say, so cook away. So I, I love that you use the word whimsy because I think that is a perfect way to describe this movie. It felt like the knives were out for this one. It felt like a Wonka prequel. Is it? A, are we trying to recapture what Gene Wilder did all those years ago? It felt like people were ready to absolutely hate this thing. It sounded like we're just going to stretch out an IP to an unnecessary another movie, and. I was right there along with him. I'm like, this looks weird. We're seeing these trailers where it's supposed to be a musical. We're downplaying that by no one singing or dancing. Bit of an odd way to try and advertise this thing. I went in incredibly skeptical with this. And after about five minutes, I was grinning like an idiot. And I never stopped. This thing is wonderful. It is. I am at a point now where Paul King, the guy who wrote this and directed this, also was behind the Paddington movies. He's three for three now on these. And for me, he has reached that level of guys like Edgar Wright, where I'm not going to discount anything this guy attempts to do. And I'm going to be first in line to see whatever he comes up with next, because this guy has somehow managed to find a tone where he takes the twee aspects of a Wes Anderson movie, where everything is saccharinely sweet, but it's all perfectly form and function. And he says, okay, we're going to take that, but we're going to crank the whimsy up to 12 and then rip the knob off to where it's so ridiculously sincere and kind-hearted, but it stands in the face of modern cynicism and goes, no, you can just be a nice person and it still works out for people. It's why people love those Paddington movies and why I think Paddington 2 is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like there's, there's no reason to criticize those movies. Wonka falls into that same bit. If you're sitting here wondering, hey, is this really supposed to be the character that winds up being Gene Wilder? Does this somehow connect to Johnny Depp? Not really. There, there are some little callbacks here and there. There's obviously one very obvious music beat that keep, they keep coming back to. But outside of that, I never once thought, you know, yeah, this is going to be Gene Wilder someday. Because the, the edge isn't there. The the underlying insanity of his performance isn't there. And the absolute bonkers bizarreness of Johnny Depp's performance, which is actually closer to the book, it's not there either. It's He's just a, uh, he's basically a wizard walking in. His magic is candy. And the world kind of all 
just keeps reacting to that. Everybody is got is bringing their A game. They're bringing the absolute campiest performances possible. It's British as all get out, but it's lovely. It, it's he's coming out this time of year. I know a lot of folks are going to be like, hey, we're all in here for Christmas. What are we going to go see? Don't see The Iron Claw if you're looking for a happy family fun time film. Mm. It's That's not the movie. That's not what that movie is, even though that's what they're trying to advertise it as. Go see this instead. Yeah, this is, I would say, ending up, I would recommend this as like the one I'll probably take my family out to see over Christmas um, because it, it just is that feel good. Yeah, this guy, I mean, he just... He don't Paul miss. King, like he doesn't miss. Like he just makes movies that on paper you're like, I don't know about this, but it's a whole ass story and a whole character, and like you're in it. He's good at immersing you in this. And it is, like you said, I think it's noted, it is very British in its humor, in its staging, and and kind of what kind of world it's reflecting. Um, there is like an Oliver twist to this whole thing, but it, the cast is also so great. We haven't said that, but like you got like Chalamet, who's just killing it right now. You got people like Olivia Coleman, who's just once again, I mean, even in the worst stuff this year, Olivia Coleman is just eating, whether it's Secret Invasion or this. Like, and she is just hilarious in this. Tom Davis as her kind of on screen partner, Patterson Joseph as the main, yeah, of the, so main baddie of the chocolate cartel, which they keep saying over and over. And every yeah. time I laugh, yeah, he, he is just like, I am campy as all get out. And I'm going to have the absolute most fun with this. Chew up every scenery like it's a chocolate bar. And it works. The one casting I thought was not going to work was Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa. Because when he shows up, I went, oh, no, they're actually going for this. And I remember seeing the trailer. And when he showed up in the trailer, I was like, this is a bad idea, guys. Uh, th this don't look right. This looks wrong. They nailed it. No, no. Who's I don't Hugh know Grant? how, but they nailed it. Oh, he's. I mean, Oompa Loompas have never been more interesting than Hugh Grant in this movie. And he plays like. He, it's just a total Hugh Grant Oompa Loompa, and it's wonderful. Like, yeah, he's refined, but yeah. he's gay tall. He's so very have refined, to laugh. yeah. And there's a whole story with him, even. And like, there's a kind <laughs> of cute story with a running gag about him that you get by the end, and it's like, oh, you and you get why he and Wonka become friends, and like how that all leads into him kind of earning the Oompa Loompa's trust. And all of that is very cute. Um, Matt Lucas, who played Tweedledee and Tweedledum in the Alice and Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland movies is freaking hilarious there was a point where i was just like just bursting out laughing in the theater he plays yeah probably plays one of the chocolate cartel who was basically like drax who has no sense of like sarcasm or anything he thinks everything must be like over explained <laughs> he's just like you need to take care of them which means we're going to kill them yes, yes which means you. we are going to kill them yes and just like yeah, as you can see it's me and connor out here the most cynical people on this podcast but uh we're over here smiling so that's the magic of Wonka. Timothy Chalamet can't miss whether he's playing a, you know, TikTok rapper on SNL or Willy Wonka in, you know, one of the most contentious roles. And since then, he, and then he's Wilder. going back to being Paul of House Atreides. Like this dude has range. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the kid's killing it. I can't say anything bad about this kid. He's he's out here killing it. So it's a it's a Timothy Chalamet world. I think we've said enough about Wonka. We're going to move. Wait, on. You're going to do this over Aquaman? Like, you, do you rank it above Aquaman? I haven't seen Aquaman yet. Holidays? That's coming up. We'll have a whole Aquaman spoiler show next week where I will answer this very question. You know what? That sounds like a good year end. Connor question. has an opinion. My brain refuses to remember that that movie is coming out. Oh, it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, that is this year. Oh, it played well. It, I saw Wonka in theaters last night, and there was a fair amount of hubbub for the, Aqu for the latest Aquaman trailer. So, oh, interesting. Yet. 
Okay. Next week, we have a busy week next week. Subscribe to Comic Book Nation now because we got so much to do next week. We got a Rebel Moon discussion. We got an Aquaman discussion. We got so much to do. So subscribe now. All right. Let's move on to something we can get into all together. Uh, guys, speaking of Rebel Moon, the first reactions to Rebel Moon are now out on the intranets. At the time of recording this, Rebel Moon currently sits at a whopping 28% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, which was not the headline on comicbook.com. I guess when it launched, it launched with 9%. And I was just like, whoa. Oh, it's down to 26. Never mind. We're dropping. Stock is dropping as we're talking. Um, it's down to 26. So You made that happen. You brought it up and someone I, said, yeah. two more thumbs down, folks. Uh, so obviously, critics not that high on Rebel Moon. I did a reactions slideshow where we kind of gather the range of reactions and at, while people are doing this at the same time it's i haven't heard anything that's that you don't hear about Zack snyder before so I, I don't know how to read this i'm always biased because obviously if you've listened to this podcast more than this episode you've probably figured out or heard me be one of the more forgiving or or kind of the biggest snyder fans all up here i think that's safe to say i don't think i'm speaking out of turn by saying that um so these are all familiar to me uh what do we hear we hear it's too kind of overwrought we hear that there's too much slow-mo we hear that the writing and characters are thin even though the action spectacle looks great um these are all things that we've heard before on the other side of the spectrum we hear yeah this is a thing you know people are going so far as to say this is doing more than we've seen star wars do storytelling sci-fi storytelling in quite some time uh people who said they're already invested in this world and think that it's you know been so well thought out and designed and the people who don't mind the slow-mo love the action and the characters and are already kind of hooked uh there's been people who said it's great because of you know that there's stakes there's violence characters get bumped off stuff like that and there's already people screaming for uh rebel moon the snyder cut so <laughs> Yeah, there is a Snyder cut. This is PG-13. There is a rated R Snyder's cut. It has much more. It's even longer. We're already there. We're already in it. You can't get out of it now. We're already in it. Well, as soon as Zach launches another social media network that <laughs> an army of bots launch, we'll get that Snyder cut. No, 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 I think Netflix is going to easily. I wrote about this. I was like, that's the easiest double dip in history. If yeah. you work with Zach Snyder now, you already should be planning on a double dip. Yeah. Be like, yeah, we're going to cut whatever you give us down, and then we're going to double dip this thing. Netflix, special edition, Rebel Moon, you know, right before part two comes out. So I heard it all. I mean, does it matter? I mean, this is coming out next week on Netflix, right in time for the Christmas holiday. Like, who's not going to watch this at this point? Like, I mean, who's not going to sit down and you're not going to watch this? No. You have a job to do, so you damn sure better watch okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Not willingly will I watch it. That's why I, I don't. Hey, when it comes to doing this, we <laughs> covering all this stuff, willing is a yeah, it's a word I left behind long ago. But um, I mean, is anybody surprised? Is anybody shocked by this? Shocked by what you've heard here? Nah, definitely not shocked. But like Zack Snyder is like one of the most hated on peeps ever. So, and I love Zack Snyder, and I. I loved the Snyder cut. I watched it four times in a row. 
uh, and not in a row because that wouldn't have worked, but I watched it four times when it came out. And I think this looks stunning. And this doesn't even feel like Star Wars to me in a really awesome way. Like it feels it, it feels like its own thing. And I like that. And it honestly, the stakes seem really high and it seems pretty aggressive and violent. And I'm about it. I'm I mean, even just like when they're all taken aback at by whatever the soldier did to the farmers, like they're like, <gasps> like, okay, this has got to be some messed up stuff. And I just really feel like a lot of these kind of tiptoe around violence and like tiptoe around really scary themes and things. And this seems pretty intense and I'm about it, but I don't know if I want it for Christmas, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, like I like watching elf around this time of year, but I, I feel like I'm going to love this elf, the Snyder yeah. cut. <laughs> That'd be a, somebody needs to do a super cut of elf. <laughs> going Just down candy cane lane. Lapping, it also, goes I love slow-mo. Oh, no. So Just saying, yeah, ultra slow mo, a bunch of reaction shots from the crowd while he's going to make the the hey buddy, hope you find your dad. Going to make that moment like the most dramatic, drawn yeah. out, so long sad. thing, muted colors. Then a tornado comes and takes his dad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Zack Snyder, but I also love having fun with Zack Snyder jokes. This is fun. See, we get to make these kind of jokes. But no, I mean, I think at this point, like. Even Zack Snyder just kind of rolls his eyes and shakes his head. It's just like, at this point, you know what the man's going to make, right? Like, you know what kind of film he's going to make. If you're thinking that, first of all, if you think storytellers ever learn to tell new stories, you're a fool. That's never true. Steven Spielberg's going to tell stories about his parents' divorce till the end of time, until his last film is going to be in some part about his parents' divorce. Like, that's just what it's going to be. Um, yeah, again, you got, I don't even want to go into other directors and what's going on with them, but like, yeah, Zack Snyder just loves, I mean, this man loves his fantasy world. He loves how he makes movies and mythology. And this one's already being called Mythology, the crack, you know, version. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting, but I can't wait for the discussion. And as I said, if you guys are ready next week, we will be, after recording our regular show, we will have a whole Rebel Moon Part 1 breakdown spoilers discussion. So it'll be interesting because... Pretty much every time we get into a Zack Snyder movie, it gets kind of interesting in the debate. Oh, around. yeah. It's always it's always one to remember. Also, I will say there is one Zack Snyder director's cut I support, and that is the one he's talking about doing for Sucker Punch, which I still I still like that movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of like the five people that like that movie. But like I, Sucker Punch, uh, it was another one of those. And we should do this. And I thought about doing this like top trailers that like for movies that weren't as good. But like the trailer was so good. Oh, and the trailer was I don't so think good. it told us anything about the depth of the movie so when we all got in there and we saw what it was about we were like what <laughs> like, <what's happening?" laughs> yeah that was a bait and switch that was very much a bait and switch on that one but I, I would like to see him return and try that one again as there was there was so much potential there but there you go yeah, and it's, i mean it's just funny where where time and society has gone since that movie's been released and like who's all in it and yeah oscar isaac playing the most despicable guy ever like yeah it's amazing man film is crazy when you look back on it but uh yeah, well, I'm Andrew sure this agrees with me. Good job. Debate. Way to go. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be all part of our debate next week as we get into Rebel Moon Part One. Uh, before we get out of here, do we want to just uh, touch on this piece of news, Janelle? You want to you want to do this news about what's sure. going on? 
Yeah, we can definitely talk about James Gunn, my boo. I love James Gunn. (laughs) And uh, James Gunn came out with a lovely little quote on Twitter. I I don't even have the article pulled up, but I just know this because I love him. Uh, This was great. He was talking about his, obviously, like everything going on with DC. We're starting to get everything ready and understand what these films are going to be about and what the vision is going to be about. And one of the things that he did make note um, on his Twitter. He said, the whole point was it's not a large film. And we're talking about Superman Legacy, by the way. Um, I mean, it's not in terms of cast. It's normal for single protagonist films to have other characters much more unusual for them not to. And this is in reference to him saying that I'm not going to have a bunch of cameos just popping up on screen for cameo's sake. And I love that one of one of the fans responded, finally, someone who treats characters more uh, more than just like a checkbox, you know, like I have to get them on for 10 seconds. And then James Gunn goes, I call that cameo porn, which is just spectacular. Uh, it's been one of the worst elements of recent superhero films. Shots fired. If a character is in a film, they have to have a reason to be there story wise. So I feel like this is a great start to what we're going to see from Superman Legacy, because I know we have talked about it here on Comic Book Nation, where we've been oh, a little yeah. nervous Excellent about episode. The Download cast. the uh, Superman Legacy cast breakdown from uh, about a week yeah. or so ago. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that and we did hit on that. We touched on that, that, it, you know, it's a little nerve wracking that, you know, when you start getting a bigger and bigger cast, are they just going to throw them on and not really have any character development right. or anything like that? And this feels reassuring. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, go on uh, comicbook.com's Instagram page, check our reels, and there's a whole excellent and kind of increasingly popular clip that I put together of us talking about what is going on with this film and what it's doing. And it's a lot of Matt Aguilar breaking down, you know, just how Gunn is selecting. Yeah, you see a lot of names and you see a lot of character names, but as we discussed on our episode, these are second-tier characters, third-tier characters. There's nobody that is so overwhelmingly, like, important to stop and focus on in this film that it's distracting from a Superman story. We're not having to get into Batman or how Jordan or Wonder Woman or how they know each other, or who this version of Wonder Woman is or the actor. You remember what happened when that happened in the DCEU. That's all we could do. You know, Gal Gadot. We didn't even see one frame of Batman v Superman. We just heard the casting and it was and I don't even want to revisit how toxic that crap was when she was cast. So it's good because there are characters that people are like, oh, and it makes people DC fans. Like we said, James Gunn is playing this smart. It's characters that make people go, oh, I know that. And I know what that connects to, <laughs> but not so important that we're all writing like, hey, here's everything you need to know about Metamorpho and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not that crucial. They're, they're characters that we know fill out a universe. And that's not to say these actors and their characters won't have bigger arcs, but we know just somewhere deep down, we know that doesn't have to inherently be anything that big in this Superman movie and that they probably won't be. Um, he's he's spot on, and especially with the criticism about recent superhero movies and how there's an overutilization of cameos. Oh, Val- yeah. Valkyrie and the Marvels being the latest example. Sometimes it's just, hey, I'm on here for two seconds. Bye. There, there's no point to it. I get the argument of, oh, you're trying to make this world all feel connected. So you've got so many different characters to choose from. So when Daredevil shows up in Spider-Man No Way Home, we all pop for two seconds. But it did it actually contribute to the story? No. So it's it's fun in the immediate. Then you go back and watch it and you go, yeah, that didn't really that didn't really 
contribute to anything. So when we look at the Superman cast and we see there's a Green Lantern in there, there's a Metamorpho in there, there's someone from uh, what we're doing with the Authority. You kind of go, okay, is this all? Are they all just on here for two seconds? No, they all serve a purpose. Basic filmmaking and storytelling. I'm all for it. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. No, I mean, I mean, Brywood, like uh, Brywood, or one of our regular fans, brings up was the Justice League appearing at the end of Peacemaker cameo porn. Um, yes, I would say no because I think that was James Gunn's kind of satirical take on cameo porn like it was him having fun with this idea because obviously they didn't pull in henry cavill or gal gadot they just got stand in the affordable ones yeah they were just the ones that were already around yeah. and, and, and probably wanted to do it like and we're like there and so i think that was just him having fun with that whole idea because he knew we weren't really getting the justice league it was just like a kind of because it was used for a joke it was like yo where you been like mm-hmm. and that was basically it and so i think there's a subtle I know subtlety isn't our favorite thing anymore in this world, but I think there is a subtle bit of difference there. Um, just a little bit. Um, yeah, there's a guy, uh, Mac, in the comments. Bro, we stopped talking about Snyder stuff like five minutes ago. Rewind if you want to try to get those comments in the in the back end. I mean, I'd say leave them, but we're just on a different subject now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> okay, Andrew brought up a good example. What about the first Suicide Squad team? Uh, getting off in the Suicide Squad. That was the point. Was yeah. hey, here's all these people. Yeah. yeah, I think that was that served the story because that threw us all off. We were all, and as some of the a holes sitting here writing articles about you know Pete Davidson's like throwaway character in his DC Comics history, quote unquote, or TDK in his history, like that was that was kind of again that was Miller making fun of us, like. We did all this, got invested in who all this, and everybody said the same thing about Suicide Squad. Oh, my God, this cast, it's so big. Who are all these characters? How are they all going to get screen time? Blah, 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 blah. And then it was just a joke. It was just well, a and he, he, like even in the advertisements, when they show that long list of names, it just says, don't get attached. Yeah. It's like that, that was what we were building to. So, some, you know, sometimes bringing people on for a cameo, it's fine if there's a point to it. What Gunn is arguing is that there has to be a point to it. Right. If there is none, if it's just Valkyrie showing up in Marvels and going, hi, then there is no point. Well, I got that, but that's the Ocean's 12 thing. Like, the Valkyrie thing was because Tessa Thompson had worked with Nia DaCosta. They were friends. And yeah. so that was, like, her friend at Marvel, and it was just popping by saying, hey, my girlfriend's doing a direct in this film. I'm going to pop in. But, again, that's the Ocean's 12 thing, and I've hated that stuff since Ocean's 12. When Chris Evans pops up in Thor 2 for five, literally five seconds – there was no point to it. It was a laugh. It was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's it. I, I agree with Gunn. And, and some of these fans, like I'm with people, man. Some of you got to chill, bro. Like you guys forget. Like, I don't know. The Internet and cars are like the only two places where when we're inside of them, we feel like we have the superpower to just say things to people and not get popped in the mouth for some reason. Like, it's crazy. I'm from Philadelphia, so my whole basis of life is whatever you do, be ready to get popped in the mouth for doing it because that's part of America. <laughs> yeah, you can say what you want, but be ready to get popped in the mouth, possibly. <laughs> it might happen. Um, and and with that, we're raised in, in really Pennsylvania altogether. Comic book nation, get popped in the mouth. Get popped in the mouth, sucker. Be ready to get popped in the mouth. But I added the sucker part. Mike, Mike Tyson said it right. Like the internet has made too many people comfortable with saying things without getting punched in the face. Like that's what happens. 
a man went to James Gunn instead was just like, you're an effing liar, like, blah, 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 because of this. And he was just like, whoa, buddy, like, relax. that's not what's happening. Everybody relax. Like, Also, just, Twitter's uh, not the real world. Moving on. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> yeah, no. Very much not the real world. So moving on, we're going to take a break before we uh, <laughs> go down the rabbit hole and start talking about being people on a key podcast. And we're going to take a break, pay some bills. And when we come back, we have a special guest with a special review and a special announcement. So don't miss that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to comic book nation the only show that does it all for geek culture man uh we were there was some heat cooking in the studio behind the scenes Yes, uh, let's move on subjects about talking from pop to the mouth and Marvel and villains and all that. <laughs> let's get to something a lot happier this week. So let's bring in our special guest, one of our comic book team members. You may know him. He's a wrestling expert. He's an expert on many geek culture things. You may have seen him here on Phase Zero and everywhere in between in our interviews. It's Mr. Liam Crowley is here. Hey guys, uh, Kofi, thanks for having me on. Uh, almost a year ago to the day, it actually might be the day, we were talking about this earlier, we tried to get me on for the Avatar Way of Water review, didn't work out, I was on vacation in Denver, now here we are one year later, and Percy Jackson has arrived. I couldn't think of a better episode to make my CBN <laughs> debut. I mean, you're, you're, I mean you're, that was a good sound, but you're downplaying it, and downplaying the real tricky games, we're like the late show around here. We needed a ringer guest to review Avatar for us, and so Rich and BD stole you and took you to Denver for skiing and you were out of reach when we called for you. <laughs> but, uh, I see. Uh, I guess playing 3D chess over here. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, Liam is here and joining us today because Liam is not only going to be doing a very special review that is near and dear to his heart today, but he has a very special announcement that we are excited about as well. So Liam, floor is yours. Take it away. Yeah, so if you've been following on comicbook.com a couple days ago or on socials, you already know what I'm about to say. But starting Wednesday, December 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Comic Book Nation YouTube channel, 
we are going to be doing Riptide Radio, a Percy Jackson after show. Look at that stunning logo. Shout out Jen Casperson uh, on our team for creating that up. Uh, shout out John and Peter and everyone who is working so diligently behind the scenes uh, to bring this thing together. Uh, this has been a passion project of mine since I signed with Comic Book way back in June of 2022. Uh, I told Jim that I had a big vision for when Percy Jackson came out to do an after show, to get the deep dives, to do the big interviews. And uh, we're living it right now. And so that first episode, when it premieres on Wednesday, December 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, it's going to be myself and Nicole Drum, who wrote the glowing 4.5 star review of Percy Jackson and the Olympians on comicbook.com. We're going to talk all things about episodes one and two, because those first two episodes are dropping on Disney Plus on December 20th. And then in the second half of our show, I have an exclusive sit-down interview with showrunners Dan Schatz and Jonathan Steinberg and director James Bobbin. We talk for about 25 minutes in glorious New York City, shot in person. It is one of the proudest interviews I've done uh, at comicbook.com. And it's fun to just kind of have that commentary of the guys who made this world a reality. Um, and then following that, every single week, new exclusive interviews, new exclusive updates, uh, reactions, commentaries, your questions answered. It's going to be all things Percy Jackson all the time for the next seven weeks. And I'm so overjoyed to be doing it with this team uh, at Comic Book Nation. Yeah, we, we got a whole Lingerverse we're, we're making over here. We got the pull list with Matt. We got Liam doing Riptide Radio. Even Janelle was jumping on this week, knocking out some Doctor Who specials. Download the mm -hmm. Doctor Who special recap if you haven't also. Yeah, we do so much. I'm beginning to lose track. I need a whole, like, one of those Charlie from It's Always Sunny flow charts soon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Riptide Radio. Liam is a huge Percy Jackson fan, so if you are part of the Percy Jackson fandom, you need to get behind this man and get into this show. I can't wait to see you and Nicole cook on this. Uh, before, But most importantly, how now that we're – because you got to promote it either way. We know that. You're, you're locked in already. But how did you feel about the show so far? Can you give us any of your thoughts? Yeah, so I can give you my spoiler-free thoughts. The review embargo has fully lifted. I have watched the first two episodes four times now, which sounds crazy, but hear me out. The first time was to prep for uh, the interview junket uh, last week in L.A. talking to the cast. Uh, well, the first time I actually watched it was to kind of soak it in as a fan and enjoy it uh, as a fan first before you put on the reporter cap and all that. And the second time was more just to prep for the interviews and all that. The third time was one more deep dive, uh, again, for another series of interviews. But the fourth time, the one that I feel like it was the most special, uh, was at the world premiere uh, earlier this week on Wednesday. Seeing these episodes in a packed theater full of the cast, the crew, diehard Percy Jackson fans who are reacting the same way that people were reacting to Avengers Endgame back in 2019 was so damn special. Uh, I was getting chills. Uh, I was tearing up at all the right moments. And this is truly the start of something special. I said in my social reaction uh, on Twitter, don't make the mistake of waiting until season five to binge everything before we get to the finale. I made that mistake with Harry Potter. I did not watch those movies as they were coming out in theaters. And I went back and binged them all one summer. I want to say like 2019. And I was like, man, if I had the experience of every one or two years going to the theater and experiencing this story in real time, it would have been one of the best theatrical experiences of my life. Join this ride now. 
don't don't wait till till later to jump jump on the hype train. Uh, it's very special. If you're a diehard fan of the books, you're gonna love this thing. Lines of dialogue pulled straight from the pages to the screen. And if you're completely new to this world, it's holding your hand. There's a great big Percy Jackson universe out there beyond this first season, but we're not you know overwhelming people with, with stuff too much. This has the potential to grow into a giant cinematic universe but these first two episodes definitely feel like our iron man our first thor movie we're, we're planting seeds right now we're not getting too big too fast um yeah i really only have positive things to say and I, i'm so stoked that uh you know we, we got more content for the next seven weeks man All right. if you can't tell that wave is happening riptide radio liam is leading it Percy Jackson fans, stand up. It is time for you to have your moment. And this is the place to do it. Comic Nation presents Riptide Radio. Liam, thank you for uh, jumping on. I know you are busy in, in like prepping right now. So I thank you for jumping on and talking to us about this. And uh, we can't wait to see you out there in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. And like I said, Wednesday, December 20th, Comic Book Nation YouTube channel at 5 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Nicole Drum. Exclusive interview with the showrunners and director James Bobbin and so much more fun stuff coming after that. And also keep it locked to the main comic book YouTube channel because I have like a 20 minute compilation uh, of interviews from the red carpet that we did on Wednesday. Uh, just to tease you with who we got. We, of course, we got the main trio, but shout out to the wrestling fans out there. Adam Copeland, Edge himself. We spoke <laughs> wow. with him on the carpet. Uh, we Was spoke he wearing with the hat? Was he wearing, he was wearing the hat. Yay. He took it off right yes. before the interview, but I saw him in person with the, with the great hat. Jessica Parker Kennedy, who plays Medusa. Virginia Cull, who plays Sally Jackson. Everyone involved in this show that you care about, we were able to speak with. So uh, keep it locked for that. And uh, yeah, so much content coming over the next seven weeks. Again, so stoked to be with you guys. All right. Thank you again, Liam, for hopping on. Let's get back to your day job. And, uh, yeah. We'll be here to plug Riptide Radio from now until it drops and for each of the weeks that it is dropping. So check that out because we're having a lot of fun with these recap shows. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Moving right along. Up next, what's going on on the small screen? So we got a couple fun things that happened this week, starting with the return of Reacher Season 2. Woo-hoo! These on screeners, they sent them to me a long time ago, and I was like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I didn't get to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay because this is not a thing I want to screen and then watch by myself. I, I like to watch it and see the reactions to Reacher in real time. So I watched the uh, premiere. I got through the premiere. I'm on uh, episode two. I had to switch over and watch Monarch too. You know, we're always yeah. good here. But um, Reacher is back. Alan Richardson somehow got more swole. My God. Mind. He's yeah. a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's> huge. <laughs> Somebody called him the Hulk at one point, and I was like, that's accurate. Okay. Um, yeah, but this season looks to be kind of going deeper into Reacher's past and his connections, which is very interesting for this character who is a wanderer because already from the outset, it feels like it, it's testing the themes of his whole kind of nomad lifestyle decision in some ways that were deeper than season one. But it still feels very much like Reacher. And this time the threat feels like there's higher stakes because it feels like there's a threat that's tailored for Reacher instead of Reacher kind of poking his nose into something else. And so I am I am quite happy that this series is back. How did you guys feel? 
Connor, uh, you? haven't watched it. I'm just glad that the guy from Blue Mountain State has a successful career. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I um, I, I adore the show. I adore the first season. Uh, and, uh, you know, coming back in, I got to agree with Kofi. I think one of the coolest parts about this new season is that you still get those. They actually showed it in the trailer. It's like one of the first cut parts of the trailer where you see him behind a lady at an ATM. And that's like the opening. It's like one of the opening sequences. And it's, so it still has that. That happens throughout the season of things like him just kind of walking into things that need his particular brand of, of solution and justice. And like that whole sequence is amazing. Like just watching him like dismantle people is just still, you know, it's just still so incredibly fun to watch. But I also like that we're getting like deep seated relationships. Here, the the relationships he has, I like that they keep going in flashbacks and, and they show how those relationships are built, why these people are important, and then they flash forward. And so they, they balance that really well. So even just in the first episode, if we're just going to keep conversation to that, uh, I think this is I mean, I mean, I'm not ready to say better because I just adored the first season. Uh, but I but I like the premise from the beginning better i think i think i prefer this type of thing of watching them try to kind of get down to the mystery you're getting to see him during his military days as well so like it's it's just great there's a whole fight in a um in an officer's club <laughs> that is as fantastic and ends up being this kind of like perfectly reacher way to uh team build and so it's just it's just fantastic i love this show so much and i'm so glad uh, it, it's back. I, I cannot wait for, for everyone to kind of see some of the other uh, episodes that are coming, but I want to make sure we talk about this every week because I adore it. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I'm on it too. I did check this out. I didn't even know we were talking about it, but <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan. So I checked it out and, um, I, it just feels so good to have it back. Like I forgot how much I loved this character and how much I really loved season one. And just like in this first premiere episode, I'm right back in it, like all yeah. the way in it, which is so nice uh, because I do feel like some of <laughs> some of the prime action shows, I had really high expectations and they didn't live up. This one has has lived up since like day one. And it feels so good that the first episode is is that good where I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh, let's do this. Yeah, it's pretty wild that this series and, and Citadel exist on the... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Oh, my God, that's funny. One costs a billion dollars, and this one, they yeah, like a hundred thou. Um, but <laughs> like, you can already tell, you know, one of the things that impressed us all about the first season of Reacher was it was up there with Severance as like one of shows that were learning to take the COVID restrictions and make it work for them. So all of Reacher season one really is a miracle because it takes place in this one town in this rotating series of sets, like the diner, this person's house, this person's house, this office back again, like in, in round and around this town like this in this first episode alone, you can see how many different locations we get how many kind of like exterior locations, interior locations, how we can, how the characters fit like literally and figuratively are moving across states and like doing all this other stuff there. It's bigger. As it says in a trailer over and over again, it is more expansive. They, they have bigger scope to work with and it's already feeling like a more cinematic, bigger season. And that's never to take away because the ingenuity of the first season is still one of the things I love. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, 
it's awesome to see. Brywood brings up a good point. Can we have Reacher and Jack Ryan crossover? Is that allowed? I know one of them is Tom Clancy, so I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, I don't think. I don't. I don't think it. It would be like I don't know. I mean, maybe those authors get along, right? Like, who knows? Lee Chai, Clancy's dead. He can't fight for nothing. But I'm saying if they ever met each other, I feel like those two dudes would fist fight each other Probably. about like military. yeah. But like the estates, I'm saying like yeah, like those like you know those things can those can happen. You know, I I mean Tom Clancy is such a. I don't know those two universes. They have such amazing characters that actually are, are quite similar, but like the the worlds around them and like the way things are framed are so different. Um, but I would love to see that. I would yeah, love you, to see it crossover. You know, you're obsessed. Like every time a Law and Order show crosses over, you lose your mind. We know. We know. You. <laughs> I do. Yo, I would love it. I I would kill. I'd, I'd watch that in a heartbeat, man. And I love. Also, I'm a huge Tom Clancy universe fan, so I would. Dad's every well rejoice. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I wouldn't mind seeing that too. All right, Matt, you want to take the next thing? Oh man, Beverly Hills Cop, baby! <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop is back. I forgot this was actually a Netflix thing. I, I honestly was yeah, like, like, bro, I've been writing about Beverly Hills Cop since the Screen Rant days. Since Beverly Hills Cop four, that's how long I've talked. <laughs> Like, uh so no. yeah we got a teaser trailer um you know it's i mean it's one of those things I, i'm really curious uh to hear what kofi thought because for me like i was I've, like i've seen the originals and i enjoy them and stuff but i wouldn't say like i'm a diehard fan but i thought this i thought this did a good job of like capturing some of that magic and eddie murphy just you know like it's I don't know. There's just a thing with him when he kind of comes back to the screen. I don't know. It just uh, it it hits the nostalgia things for me. So I I I enjoyed this. I mean, it feels like more Beverly Hills Cop, but I'm I'm excited that it's a thing. I'm excited that it's coming out, and I like the teaser. I want to see more, obviously. But what did you think? Uh, I don't watch trailers anymore, to be honest with you. So I didn't watch one. But is that Kevin Bacon as the bad guy? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm in. Yes. Yeah, Eddie Murphy uh, and Kevin Bacon as a bad guy. I'm in. You you already sold me. I also oh, did anyone else uh, check this out? I saw the trailer. Uh, it looks yeah, fun. I do kind of wish Eddie would try more projects like when he did Dolomite is my name because that was him. You know, really kind of stretching the acting muscles there for a second. No one talks about coming to America, uh, the second one. So I hope this doesn't go that route. But coming to America was actually pretty successful. I enjoyed though. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't that was bad. That actually was, uh, was pretty good. successful. But I think that had to do with uh, what's his name from Hustle and Flow. Like he can put together a pretty good, like, yeah, Craig Brewer. Mm. Janelle, did you watch yeah. this trailer? I did. Yeah, um, I've never been. I've never watched Beverly Hills Cop ever in my life. Like no desire whatsoever. Growing up, or I don't even know when it was hitting. But the soundtrack alone <laughs> in the trailer just got me. Um, I love Eddie Murphy. Oh, also. You've never watched Beverly Hills Cop? No. Mm-mm. Wasn't my jam. I didn't really like uh, like crime thrillers. So I've always been fantasy, like you know, sci-fi and stuff like that. So I was never really into it. Um, that's why, like, even the Reacher stuff is is new and refreshing for someone like me uh, who didn't like grow up watching it. Makes but sense. you know, I was I was also like a girl watching like girl stuff too. So it was, I was spread pretty like I had a lot going on. I was like sci-fi, Matrix, Spice Girls. Uh, I don't know. I was a yeah, Spice city. Girls. I recommend everybody go and watch at least Beverly Hills Cop Two with Brigitte Nelson. Yeah, I probably will because this trailer really got to me. It was I've been thinking about it since I watched it. It's really fun, 
and actiony. Um, I do feel like there's going to be moments that are very rewarding if you obviously have seen the previous ones. So right. I do feel like it's going to be nostalgic in a way that it's really going to excite fans who have always been longtime fans of this. So I do think that that's going to be something that I chew on. I'll probably have to do all of the screenings <laughs> to watch this, <laughs> but it looks great. I mean, and it looks fun. Yeah. No, um, it, looks, it looks fun. I do have some quick updates before I Matt cooks on his next thing. Uh, I just got reminded by the fans. We do too much in this show. Um, yes, it fell through the cracks of our show just because I didn't think it was like enough for a whole discussion. Uh, but yes, I did watch Leave the World Behind, uh, Sam Esmail's new movie who made Mr. Robot. And it was okay. It was like a mystery thriller. It, it It's a lot more the tension of playing with like sociopolitical awkwardness and and that whole thing with these two families trying to get into this house. And there's some interesting things that it does there. I never need to see something like a Maharshala Ali, Julia Roberts dance sequence again. If you haven't seen that on the interwebs, uh, Julia Roberts breaks it down to too close. The song, you know, too close by uh, next. Next. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, they have a whole dance sequence together. (laughs) Google that alone. Google that alone. Um, but it did make me Google some things after I Such watched it. And, it. and when you figure out the mystery and stuff, it is about stuff in the real world that is freakishly real. And, you know, Sam Esmail obviously went down a rabbit hole of reading some stuff about that. But uh, as our friend to the show, Tom King, has alluded, yeah, there are some things out there that we just live daily lives not really considering about, like, what kind of weaponry is out there, what kind of plans governments have and secret things that are out there and like yeah it's pretty wild like so it was an interesting movie it, it propels itself largely on the mystery but it, it it's interesting if you've been a mr robot fan it is very much sam esmail by showing you things making he's very hitchcockian and this is a very hitchcockian thriller i think that's the best way to describe it it's a very if this guy if there is a modern hitchcock sam esmail is very much in it and there are fun sequences like in Mr. Robot. So it's on Netflix now. Um, like I said, by the end, you're like, oh, and then you, it makes you do some Googling and then you will be freaked out for the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. check out that movie. And uh, I believe there was, oh, the other thing was we're getting Blue Eye Samurai number two. That was a thing. Woo-hoo! Fundamentally regret that we did not sit down and do a spoilers episode. I think. When it came out, it was just one of those things. I didn't know how popular it would become. Yeah. I knew it was good. We made a point to say it here on the show. Did not know it was going to become like one of the biggest things of the year and one of my favorite things of the year. But here we are. And uh, season two is coming. So that is a big win. I cannot stress enough. Even if you're not an anime fan, if you, in fact, if you are not an anime fan, but you've heard so much about the genre and you've been like, I want to give it a chance, but everything I watch is nuts and I can't get into it. Watch Blue Eye Samurai, one of the best written shows of the entire year, and check that out for sure. And season two is going to be lit, and I can't wait for it. So those are my updates, my agenda. Back to Matt's agenda. Oh, speaking of season two, uh, the last bit of this part, uh, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur. Woo, I'm so excited. <laughs> That's coming back. Uh, we got a teaser trailer, which you can check out on the uh, Comic Book Nation YouTube channel. Uh, for those who watched the first season, uh, and you can check out, actually, you can check out our full review and interview uh, with the team and stuff uh, on the Combination YouTube channel as well. Uh, things left off in like a huge cliffhanger in season one. And it was like a really like emotional one. So now like the trailer even teases like we're getting right into it. 
Uh, you know, she's essentially like there's there's a split in dimensions and we're one person's trying to get to the other and and save part of the family and all this stuff. Uh, and then also it will have the normal, uh, amazing soundtrack from the first season. If you watch the first season, that soundtrack was fantastic. The cast was so fun. The characters are so funny. Like, it's just it's so good. I'm so glad like Ember got into it just by watching it when I was watching it. And she was like, oh, I like that little dinosaur. And now we have a little red dinosaur walking around. Right. It's a it's a great thing for families, kids. And it's got some like deep stuff that it deals with, too. I'm so happy. So the fact that we're getting this, I'm just I'm, I'm elated. I'm bummed. We have to wait till like I think it's February. It's February next year. But uh, but I'm excited. It's it's even a thing. All right. So that's uh the trailers and and fun movies and TV part. But now. I get to get in the holiday spirit a little bit. Uh, this is a new segment that I have just made a name up for for no reason. Matt's Toys and Games Holiday Guide. Da, da, da. This is happy. So uh, this is some stuff that is <laughs> to give a little song. This is some stuff that if you're uh, still looking for holiday stuff, um, also, if you're just looking to add to your own collection, uh, we cover a lot of things here. We have a lot of intersecting, uh, diagrams. And so I have a couple things I wanted to highlight for you. Uh, maybe add them to the wish list or add them to someone else if you've got a fan in the family. Uh, so starting off, I'm going to start off with one that I've been like wanting to showcase for a while. It's the loyal subjects, uh, best action, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures. These were the, uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusives, uh, from 2023, but you can actually like, go to their site and still buy them. Uh, I think it's one of those things where TMNT figures were kind of spoiled because there's actually several different lines out there that are all really good and all kind of take a different angle on it. Uh, but these especially are like some of my favorites. I'm gonna hold one up to the camera there. So uh, I love when the turtles all have different colors. <laughs> like I like when they're all not the same green. It's just the thing with me. Uh, I know everyone has a different feel, but like when the turtles all actually look different and when they're different colors and they have different size proportions and all that, I dig it. Uh, so these actually have like a ton of articulation. Uh, they actually have like swappable heads and multiple weapons and things. Uh, it's, it's actually the design itself. I'm such a huge fan of uh best turtle right here. Best turtle in the world. Just saying. Holla holla. Uh, comes with a bunch of accessories that I don't have out here. Uh, I would have Leonardo, uh, but I'm pretty sure Ember stole him. <laughs> he was on my table. So I'm pretty sure uh, Ember stole him. So uh, so those are actually the ones you can find them in package there. Uh, they're, they're really slick. I, I just really like the mix of articulation and color schemes. Also, these right here are Yumi Disney 100. Disney has been celebrating their 100th anniversary and everything you've probably seen them if you've gone to target and walmart uh these are the little surprise capsules and like when they make blind box things they make them for me because i have such a problem like i open i like to open stuff I like to open packs I like to open boxes like that's my thing uh but these are awesome because number one they actually like i sat and did some with ember and they have like three different parts so it's it's like an activity when you get the figure of like having to like you open one part of the capsule and it's like a part of the base you open another part it's a sticker and you put it on the base and you assemble it then there's the background and all these things until you actually get to the figure and there's typically like little dioramas with it so like me and her put two together and we just sat there and it's like an activity you're actually spending time with your kid on top of giving them something cool. So I, I like that stuff. Um, moving into the, uh, also from Yumi, uh, designer, which is, uh, DZ and art, uh, designer plushes. So we have, uh, stranger things and transformers. And what I like about these is that, and I'll hold up uh good old Eddie here. 
<laughs> so one half is like his like really seriously beat up thing from like the, the finale, and the other half is all like cool and chill. Uh, and then they have the line. They've got Eleven. They've got Vecna. Vecna is like one of the coolest ones you actually saw in the image there of just. <laughs> The creepy, the creepy body on the side, but they're also like adorable. It's a weird, it's a weird line they walked, but, but I dig it. Uh, and then of course, people know I'm a huge Transformers fan. The Transformers ones are actually called inside, like on the inside. So it actually shows like all the Cybertron, uh, Cybertronium parts on the inside and they have Megatron and they've got, um, Oh my God, uh, Rodimus coming, which I'm excited. He's not in Rodimus Prime, but it's Hot Rod, but still they've got him coming. I'm very excited for that. Uh, so those are super cool. The other ones, uh, I'm not, everyone knows I'm not like the biggest horror person, uh, Wait, but I've always what? had a thing for universal oh, monsters. like scary horror movies. Yes, horror. Okay. Yes. You know what I'm saying, my lord. So what are you, five? <laughs> so, horror. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so, I'm not like the biggest thing, but I've always had a... a actually like a really uh, fascination with the universal monsters. Like I just like those classic designs and I dig them. And so uh, Pop Mart has done a blind box thing where uh, they're actually have like, they're, they're figures, but they're like really well, um, they're not articulated in any way. They're very static, uh, but just to give you a, a glimpse here. So like, look at little Dracula. So it, the it, the chair comes separate and he's got a little cup of wine and it's just like the paint apps on these are fantastic. Uh, it's it's kind of impressive that they put so much like detail and everything. We got Bride of Frankenstein here. Let me see if I can move her, her little chair. So like the idea is they're all sitting in a movie theater. So they all have chairs. And if you assemble them all, it's like you have them all watching their own movie. So like someone's, they're eating snacks and things like that. It's really cute. I did not... I thought I would like them, but like, I didn't think I would like them that much. And you'll probably see the rest of them on the shelf back here at some point in time. Uh, and the other rounding out, I got two last things here. Uh, we're big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fans. Obviously, I'm always one who is looking for something to do uh, with Ember as an activity. And, and we play a lot, right? We play games and stuff. So uh, Shishibo is they've got little turtle versions from like, I think it was Kofi's one of Kofi's favorite movies of the year, right? Uh, mutant mayhem they have it's like a puzzle it's like you're it, but it's the way it's folded like it comes in a little cube like this but this thing can be opened folded a bunch of different ways and you actually make designs based on different pictures and things and it's it's like got really colorful artwork it's really sturdy so like me and her have a game where we actually put a card down and like we try to make the design first Right. And so but it's also like a, it's kind of like a fidget spinner thing where it can just keep your attention just because you're doing something with your hands. And so th they're really cool. I did not know about them, honestly, before earlier this year. And so once I discovered them, Ember has stole again, stolen mine and has been playing with it for like the last month. Uh, so it is something really interesting that like if you're looking for something that maybe can uh, give you that 10 minutes to do whatever <laughs> with your kid, uh, but also is going to last and sturdy and look cool. That's something you can do. Last but not least, I have, and I got to find it here. Hold on. I got so much stuff here. So Hasbro is doing uh, Mr. Potato Head as an endearing classic, an endearing classic toy. Uh, but they've done Pop Taters, which every time I say it out loud, I can't think of anything but Sling Blade. But they have Pop Taters, which are like all the pop, icons like pop culture icons into small Mr. Potato Head form. And I gotta say, uh, one of my favorites is actually the 
Kevin Smith <laughs> as, a, as a Mr. Potato Head, as a San Diego uh, Comic-Con thing, but you can actually get him still. Uh, but they've also got like Spock from Star Trek, Ernie and Bert from Sesame Street. Uh, they've got all the turtles. Uh, they've got actually some from anime and video games as well. It's just, they're really cute. There's Sonic. Uh, there's one from Sonic. I know we're going to get a Sonic sequel. They're, they're kind of adorable. And if you're, my daughter was very much in the, Mr. Potato Head for like a while there and still kind of goes back and forth uh, with playing with those. And they have a favorite character. These are like easy, like especially like the Ernie and Bert. If you have Sesame Street fans in the family, even if it's for an adult, like just get it because it's going to be funny and ironic. I, I think they're they're great. Those are from Hasbro and you can find all those. I'll have all the links and everything uh, on comicbook.com. And we've covered all of these at some point on the site to this point. Uh, but if you need uh, recommendations, there you go. There's your little uh, festive holiday Christmas list for me. Woohoo! Well, that left me in a sunken place. Let's go. <laughs> Dark Sophie. Let's go. Oh Matt. my God! You're talking, bro. Like you, you, this is next section's yours. Well, last one is uh, so. This is on me. Uh, during the pull list, I, <laughs> I may, I wanted to talk about uh, Spider Gwen. And I didn't. I totally, totally spaced, totally forgot to talk about it. And so I was like, well, we're going to make up for that. Spider-Gwen Smash number one uh, is here from uh, uh, friend writer, awesome Melissa Flores, who who wrote, uh, who's currently writing a lot of the Power Rangers books uh, over as well, and also in the Massiverse. So I was going to check it out regardless, but also I love Spider-Gwen, Ember's favorite character is Spider-Gwen, so I'm going to check it out. This one was very much a thing where, like, the cover tells you it's a Spider-Gwen story, but I did not realize that this was also a Dazzler story, so this was just a win-win for me. Janelle, what did you think of this? This was so fun. Gosh, it was so bright and colorful and cheeky and fun and informative and easy to follow and beautiful artwork, and they just did a great... It, it's a great... It's a great book it's just it's fun which is nice uh and also like you know dazzler as long as we're not mentioning taylor swift in the same sentence as dazzler i'm very excited about dazzler Julie. <laughs> uh i agree with you though i agree with you it's uh, though i remember i got shouted down for uh how oh, was it? I talked about a casting for Ariana Grande as um oh it was Meg from Hercules and you were like and I remember you on the show you were like okay that doesn't count just because she has a ponytail and I was like well that's, that's fair. true that's all she <laughs> that's, does is like rock ponytails but Meg fair. is like quippy and like she's got an attitude you know but yeah. I will take Ariana as Meg over Taylor Swift as Dazzler I take boom yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Kofi you didn't you didn't read this one right I did. You oh, you did? Cool. What'd you think? You guys are nuts, bro. Like, you guys you think X-Men's too dense? This was so dense. What? Really? Wild. How is this dense? Dude, this I didn't felt even like notice. A, I, I checked the page count twice. I was like, how long is this? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? They're so it is such a talkie. It is one of the most talky spider books I have ever seen. Like, I'll give you that. Oh, it is talky. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. The most interesting thing about it was getting to see more of Gwen's Earth for like, I feel like the first time. Like, yeah, there is an X-Men, that there is a Dazzler, a Romanoff. The variants and exploring this world was the most interesting part. And I guess that's why I was disappointed, because we didn't go very many places. We went to band practice and a couple performances in Gwen's home. And it was just like, 
Okay. I feel like this is the opening of Spider-Verse, except less exciting. And I would love to see more of this Earth and like what makes it unique and the unique takes on the characters and, you know, what it means when there is a female Spider-Man running in this world right. and is the primary person. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I love Gwen Stacy. I love Ghost Spider. I, I love her version of Earth. So, like, yeah, I want to see more expansive things from this book. I get you. No, that makes sense. And I, I Connor, you didn't. Did you read this one or no? No, but on the subject of Spider-Verse, I hope that insomniac rumor from this week is real. Which one? The one where they're allegedly making a game based on Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. I hope that (laughs) that is real as well. Um, Real quick to address uh, some of the comments. Uh, Yes, uh, I saw the Biker Mice from Mars figures. Those look dope. Those look so I'm so happy that show is like making a comeback. Uh, thank you, Nacelle, <laughs> or Nacelle, I don't know, however you say it. I apologize if I'm saying it wrong, but thank you for doing that because those figures look amazing. Uh, and I'm so happy the show is coming back. I'm so, I'm so glad. Uh, and then yes, Kofi, we have been, uh, recommended to do, uh, a, what is it? A good nerd dad advice show. We should do that. We should add that to the list. The Ringiverse. She give, oh she give some advice. I'll be the light oh. side. You'll be the dark side. Uh, I can't, I can't be present for that one. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> Uh, but that is comics all right and uh as i return to the sunken place listening to matt (laughs) going about biker mice from mars i just want to remind you guys that we are comic book nation and i must because we are the show that does it all for geek culture we do all things toys collectibles comics anime gaming star wars star trek marvel dc movies tv shows we are all over the place and as we starting to come out to close out this year what a year it's been. Probably our most expansive year yet. It's been a lot of fun, and it's only getting wilder with more and more content. So be sure to subscribe to Comic Book Nation on our YouTube page. On Look for our content on the main Comic Book YouTube page. And subscribe to our podcast on all your podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This week, just to recap, we have... Our breakdown of the Doctor Who 2023 specials with Janelle Wheeler, Matt Aguilar, and our comic book expert, Jamie Lovett. We have the poll list where me and Matt take on the big comics of the week, pull a few outs, put a spotlight on them, and then we kind of dive in and go deep. Be sure to check out all the weeks of the poll list because there's a bunch of comic storylines that are just now running or gaining hype that we started talking about weeks ago, and you don't want to miss any of that. We have our regular show every Friday. This is the main hub where we all, the four kind of hosts, get back together and compare notes. But we are going to have a busy week next week. We will have the poll list. We will have a Rebel Moon spoilers discussion, Aquaman spoilers discussion, regular show talking about Aquaman and and Rebel Moon and a bunch of other stuff happening next week with no spoilers. So a lot going on. Please do subscribe. And if you want to holler at us individually, Please find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me on YouTube at Connor J. Casey. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB on threads. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler on almost everything except for Twitch, which is Janelle. And to Pup Dog Comics in the comments, I'm sorry, buddy. You came in at the end. This was the closing show notes and promo, not the opening. But uh, rewind and listen to the show again. We'd love to have you leave your comments. And uh, thank you guys, everybody who listens and makes this so fun every week and this year so fun. We are Comic Book Nation. Peace. Later. (laughs)